Well, good morning. We need to go ahead and get started. We've got a lot on the agenda today. We're so glad uh, that you chose to come and worship with us today. And so thank you for being with us. If you are a guest of ours, we ask you to please take one of the care cards. Uh, they're located there in the pew rack just in front of you. And we ask you to please fill that information in. Uh, we want a record of you being here and at least send you something from Pitts Baptist to thank you for being here. On the back of the care card for all of us is a place for you to fill in prayer requests. And we do get those. We, we encourage you as our church family to please fill those in. The staff wants to be praying for you. As you leave today, uh, you can put those in the giving boxes. They're on either side of the double door on your way out. They're actually marked now. Uh, and that's where you can put your offering if you want to do that. Uh, but uh, the care cards go in there. And uh, we would appreciate you letting us know that you were here. But thank you so much and also your prayer request. But thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you to our fellowship committee for our delicious breakfast this morning. That was really good. Thank you so much for that. That was a nice treat. Hopefully you got a chance to fellowship with our church family this morning. Poinsettias can be purchased in honor or in memory of someone. Forms are available in the lobby uh, at the info desk. If you'd like to do that, please go by. Uh, and take care of that. It's kind of crazy that Christmas is almost here, isn't it? It's upon us. Our Lottie Moon March for Missions is next week, Sunday, December uh, 10th. This is a special offering for our international missionaries. 100% of that money goes to them uh, to support them on the field. The goal for our church is 85000 So please pray about what God would have you to give. There are actual prayer guides in the back as you leave today. We encourage you to get one of those. Be praying for specific missionaries each day. And then there's also a special envelope uh, included in that folder. So grab one of those as you leave uh, today. This year's angel tree is in full swing. We help needy families that live in our community. Uh, go by one of the two trees in the worship center lobby and the core lobby. And there are instructions there at each location. The gifts are due back by next week. If you can help, that would be great. Also, our churchwide Christmas party is next Sunday evening, December 10th. Uh, that begins at 5 o'clock. Do I have that right? I don't have the time written down. But anyway, Garrett, where's Garrett? Help. Is that at 5 o'clock next week? Thank, thank you. 5 o'clock next week. I did not write that down. Sorry. Uh, but that is next Sunday, and we have all kinds of things happening for that. There will be carols, prizes, games, ugly sweater contest. Uh, so that's next Sunday night. Uh, and I know there's some ugly sweaters that come out for that. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of, anyway, there's no cost, but you need to get a ticket so that we can plan, and you can go by the information desk to get that. The deadline is Wednesday, December 6th for your ticket. And then there's a ladies' Christmas event entitled In His Provision on Thursday, December the 7th at 6 p.m. in the core. Uh, today is the last day to get your $10 ticket. There is a bingo card of some sort that, ladies, you're supposed to remember to bring. So I'm reminding you to bring your bingo card. Right, Miss Connie? All right. So make sure you have that with you if you come for the event. Uh, also, they're asking for an um, unwrapped Christmas toy uh, to donate. That would be great, too. Uh, our men's ministry sponsors a Christmas food bo box project to the needy in our church and also to encourage our widow and widowers. They are uh, uh, collecting perishable food items in the drop boxes and the foyers. We're asking all of our men to help if you can with a $10 offering to cover those costs and you can turn that in at the info desk uh, and so a lot of things happening there is a christmas event folder called holiday highlight highlights and want to encourage you to go by the tables in the back and get one of those 
to tell you about all the different concerts and things that are happening. There was just no time to announce those. But there's a lot of different things happening over the Christmas holidays that you want to be a, a part of here at our church. Uh, at, at this time, we do need to uh, have a matter of business, and that's to vote on our budget. Last week, thank you so much for staying, and thank you to Phil Real on our finance committee uh, for bringing that presentation last week. Hopefully it helped a lot of you understand kind of where Pitts Baptist spends its money and what we're about here at our church in philosophy. You can uh, tell a lot about a church and a person by looking at their financial uh, page to know where they uh, put their treasure. And so it was good to see you stay last week to hear that presentation. So at this time, we want to ask all of our members if you would stand. Uh, and our ushers are coming. They're going to give you a ballot. And as soon as you have your ballot, you may have a seat. And then you can vote on those. So we'll be watching for the last person to get their ballot. Almost got them all out. A couple more in the balcony. Once you have filled your ballot in, if you would pass it toward the center, you would do that. And then this middle section up here, if you guys would pass it this way, because you guys are the center section of the balcony, just pass it to your left, my right. And everybody else, if you'll pass toward the center. Once that center person has, if you'd hold those up for our ushers, they'll come by and get those. I think we're almost done. While they are finishing collecting those, uh, we have a special recognition this morning for a five-year anniversary. And so I'm asking Garrett Ensley to please come make that presentation. And I'd like to ask Leslie Cook to join me on stage. I'm going to put these on so I can see what I wrote. 
Every five years, we have the opportunity to celebrate our church staff members and recognize their contributions to the area of ministry to which they are called. Today, it is my privilege and honor to honor Leslie Cook, one of our incredible ministry assistants. First and foremost, Leslie loves Jesus. She loves her family. She loves her friends. And I want you to know she loves absolutely every one of you. And if you've not interacted with her, I encourage you to do that, and you'll, you'll learn that for yourself. She is truly blessed with the gift of administration, and she is quite passionate about keeping the office and its inhabitants organized. <laughs> she tries. She makes communication a priority in the office, and she's also passionate about getting everyone connected to our church software, Realm. You may have heard about it. Um, and spreadsheets. She is really passionate about spreadsheets. And that's great for me because, y'all, I hate them so much. So she completes me in that fashion. She is absolutely the happiest when she is helping or serving someone through her work and through her other passion, which is missions. She is a tremendous blessing to our church staff, our church family, and to me personally. So Leslie, on behalf of the staff and congregation, thank you for five years of faithful service, and I look forward to many more. Y'all do know who's in charge of the office, right? Because we do. Anyway, um, thank you, Leslie, for all you do for us and keeping us straight. We really do appreciate all that you do and the ladies in the office, how they help us. Well, hopefully this week you have been studying a memory verse in your master life today. And I want to say it together as a church family. Each week, each week we're going to try to do that. So let's say starting with the memory verse passage first, and then we'll say the verse. Uh, so let's say it together. Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Mark 12, 30. Boy, are you all in? That's kind of what we talked about this week is Jesus was all in. Amen. We're glad he didn't waver and not go to the cross, right? None of us would have received salvation. We need to be all in. And you'll hear more about that. Hopefully in community group, you talked about that this morning. And then Pastor Scott's going to be bringing a message on that this morning. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll begin worship together. God, it is good for us to stop a moment and get still before you. And God, we pray that this service today, I know there's been a lot of announcements, a lot of things we've had to take care of in church uh, business. But God, I pray that we would um, be calm now. We would think about what you want to say to us through music, through the message that you've given to our pastor. And that, God, we would tune in to your voice and that we would think about you today as we sing and as we, as we listen and participate in this service, God, that it would be about worshiping you today. God, I know there are probably many needs represented in this room and God, we pray for each of those and we pray for wisdom, God, that you know, let us know how to, to handle those situations. 
God, just be with us in those areas. And this holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas, God, I know there are people hurting with loved ones who are not here this year for, for those holidays. And I pray you'd be with them and give them peace that comes through your Holy Spirit, God. We do thank you for this time of year when we can think about Jesus coming here as a baby, setting aside uh, his godly attributes to some degree and becoming a, a servant to becoming a man and living and knowing how we feel. But then also, God, that you sent him to die on a cross that we deserve. And we thank you for that. God, just be with us today in a special way and help us to think about what these holidays, these holy days really mean. And we ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.
Advent, a season of expectation, a season of longing, a season of hope. Listen to a prayer from Matthew Kelly, an author and motivational speaker from Sydney, Australia. God of hope, I look to you with an open heart and yearning spirit. During this Advent season, I will keep alert and awake, listening for your word and keeping to your precepts. My hope is in you. In the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, we see a dark and troubled world, anticipating the voice and visitation of the Lord God. Genesis chapter 1 reads, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. On this, the first Sunday of Advent, we too look forward to the voice and visitation of the Lord. We are a people living between the ages, looking back to the first coming of the Lord as the light of men, come to dispel the world's, the works of darkness. As the shepherds come to seek the lost sheep of Israel, as the king of kings come to reign over his people. And we are a people looking forward to his second coming when we will once again visit a world of darkness and speak light. Today, as we begin to prepare our hearts for his advent, his coming, will you ask him to shine his wonderful grace into the dark places of your life? to be your light, to be your shepherd, and to be your king. Come thou long-expected Jesus, set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee Israel's strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art Born thy peace. 
Would you read with me from Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, choir. The scripture verses this morning, all of them, have been through uh, our study this week. Uh, week one in your study of Master Life, I trust you recognize uh, those verses well. Uh, find Mark chapter 12 in your copy of the scripture this morning. Mark chapter 12. We're going to talk about being all His. That was our theme for week one being all his. Mark chapter 12, and I'll begin reading in verse 28, and then we will read down through verse uh, 31. And while you're finding your place in your copy of God's Word, let me ask you to continue to pray for the Morris family. We had Jeff Morris's uh, funeral service here yesterday. Uh, he's the 50. 58-year-old in our congregation, been battling uh, Alzheimer's for the uh, past six years and passed away a week ago this past Friday. His service was yesterday. Within two or three days of uh, Jeff passing away, his wife Trina, she got word her mother in Florida also died. And so pray for Trina and uh, her son Michael and daughter Christine pray for this whole family as they're going through a tough time this holiday season. Uh, stand for the reading of God's Word, please. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for week one in our study of Master Life. And we pray that each week that you would speak to us uh, through the individual study, the small group study, the worship time. Uh, Lord, thank you for what you have called us as a body of believers both to be and to do. And I pray that we would be found faithful. Lord, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth, and we pray that through the power of your spirit, you would speak to us through your word this morning, give us ears to hear. And Lord, may the 
meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I heard the, uh, the joke of a woman, a woman who was in the hospital and she was very seriously ill. And she was not expected to make it. But one night she had a dream and in her dream the Lord assured her that she was going to make it. And she was going to live many more years. And so upon her discharge from the hospital, she immediately scheduled liposuction, (laughs) plastic surgery, an extreme makeover involving a new hairstyle, new hair color, new makeup, new wardrobe, I mean the whole nine yards. She was determined to be a new woman. Well, as she walked out of the salon that day and stepped off the curb, A bus hit her and killed her. And as she stood before the Lord, she said, But Lord, you assured me in my dream that you would protect me. And the Lord answered, I would have. I just didn't recognize you anymore. (laughs) I'd say there was a woman who had misplaced priorities. She put her focus in the wrong place. She put her focus on externals. Folks, let's not do that as God's people. And that's what Jesus' words help us to keep in mind. Verse 30 answers the question about what is the chief end of life. My life may go in many directions. Your life may go in many directions. But what is to be the underlying foundation of our lives? In week one, our study this week was entitled, Being All His. And as we've read on the screen, verse 30 was our memory verse for the week. Now we see in the text that Jesus has been involved in a series of controversies with the religious leaders that took place uh, during uh, Passion Week, the week he was crucified. And there's been several controversies that he's had with the religious leaders already. There was the controversy over resurrection and marriage. Remember, they tried to trap Jesus. There was the woman who had been married. They proposed a scenario. She had been married. Her husband died. Uh, The husband's brother married her. He too died. The other brother married her, he too died, and so forth and so on. And so they asked Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? That was one controversy. And then there was the controversy over paying tax. Should we pay tax to Caesar or not? And in these controversies, they were trying to entrap Jesus so they could have some grounds to accuse him before the authorities. Well, we see another controversy that's behind the verse that we've read this morning. The verses we've read. Uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of them all? You see, there were endless debates over this. When you look at the Mosaic Law, there was first of all the Ten Commandments. But they didn't stop there. There were 613 commandments in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that grew out of the original ten. 
It would seem that King David in Psalm 15 took 613 and narrowed them down to 11. Isaiah took 11 and Isaiah 33 narrowed them down to 6. Micah took those 6 and narrowed them down to 3. Habakkuk took 3 and said, here it is. Here's the one. The just shall live by faith. Everybody wanted to know what is the most important commandment. So that we'll be especially careful that we live according to that. And that's what this lawyer is asking Jesus. Now what we see here is that in our faith we must have the right focus. First of all I want you to see our devotion is to have the proper object. The proper object. Look how Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. In other words, we are to love God supremely with every facet of our being. And this, of course, begins with having a saving relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what Jesus is doing here is quoting Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy 6.4 is called the Shema. And Jews, as they would go into worship, they would begin their worship, or at some point in their worship, would quote Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. They would constantly quote that in their worship services. And what we see in that verse is that it is God who deserves our highest praise and the greatest amount of love in our lives. Oswald Chambers once said, The surest sign that God has done a work of grace in my heart is that I love Jesus Christ best, not weakly and faintly, not merely intellectually, but passionately, personally, and devotedly, overwhelming every other love in my life. Overwhelming every other love in my life. Now, the word for love used in this verse here is the word agape. Now, I've said before that in the Greek, there were four main words for love three of which show up in the Greek New Testament. And now, I certainly don't want to be guilty of overstating the differences between these words, these four words. But indeed, there were some different nuances to them. For example, storge love would be a family commitment type love. Family love. And then eros love. We don't find that word in the Greek New Testament. We do find it in classical Greek literature. Eros love, sensual love, fleshly love. And then there was phileo love, a very popular word in the New Testament, brotherly love. And finally, there's agape love, sacrificial love. Now, phileo love is good, brotherly love or friendship love, but it's not quite as deep or great as agape love. You'll recall in Ephesians 5, 25, Paul said, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
the word used there is this word agape love. And you hear what Paul is saying there, that we're to love our wives that way. And he emphasizes the meaning of the word, the sacrificial nature of the word, by saying, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Agape love is a sacrificial giving type love. Where you're able to look at the other person and meet their need. Love them even if it means sacrificing what you want or what you need for their benefit. That's the word agape. And you know, that's the type of love that really seems to me to stand out in all of the great Bible characters. They loved God that way. I mean, I think of Daniel as a young man in captivity taken to Babylon. And, uh, of course, Nebuchadnezzar is trying to make a Babylonian disciple out of Daniel and his three friends. And uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his officials are trying to change everything about them. They even want to change their diet and serve them food that has been consecrated to Babylonian false gods. And the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself in that way. Why would he do such a thing? Because of the way he loved God. How about Abraham? I mean, think of Abraham finally having that son of promise, Isaac. And there in Genesis 22, God calls him to go and sacrifice Isaac. God was testing Abraham to see if he loved him more than he loved uh, his son Isaac. And so what does Abraham do? He, he travels uh, to the mountain where God's shown him to, to take Isaac. And he's getting ready to sacrifice him and God stops him. Why in the world would Abraham go through with something like that? To sacrifice the son that he and his wife Sarah have been waiting on for so many decades. Because of the way he loved God. I mean, you could really include all of the saints of God that are recorded in Hebrews 11, the roll call of faith, and and the type of faith, costly faith that they had, and the things that they did because they loved God. This type of love stands out in all of the great Bible characters. The word love, agape love, highlights that what the Lord is telling us here is that we are to have a relationship with him. In other words, we don't just check off boxes in some kind of religious code. We are to have a love relationship with God made possible because his son Jesus bore our sins on the cross and opened the way to a relationship with God. And how do we know when we have loved God? Because we follow him. We obey Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not even do the things that I say? If we truly love God, we're not going to want to squander our lives away or give our lives to things that break God's heart. Now, bringing in some of the individual day's lessons from this week, there are some things I want to point out that should make it easier for us to think about loving God this way. The writers... Matt and Allison Willis, they made it clear that we need to understand God from the overall storyline in the Bible. 
Because you see, a lot of people get the idea that God is simply out to smack you down. And this makes it real easy for people, some people, to fear God, which we are to fear Him without healthy respect. But, but people who just have the image of God, that God's up there waiting to smack them down, they have trouble or they have a great deal of difficulty loving God. And yet, as the writers pointed out this week, the storyline of the Bible is that God is a redeeming God. And why is he such a redeeming God? Because he loves us. He's the God that went looking for Adam and Eve even after they had sinned. Paul said in Romans 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we deserved his love because we could never reach that benchmark that we deserve it. But Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. The members of the Trinity, the Godhead, are involved in redeeming a lost humanity. John in 1 John 4 says, God is love. And God created man in his image. We are to be image bearers. And God is the all-wise God. We read that out of Romans 11. That, that he's the all-wise God whose counsel is perfect. And he loves us. We see Jesus' interactions with his disciples even when they disappointed him. Even when they failed him. Yet he loved them. Everything we see about God in the Bible uh, paints the picture of a God who has worked in many ways through the Old and New Testaments to love his people and to reach out to those who don't know him to draw them in to save them. Yes, he's holy and righteous. And yes, he will judge sin and unbelief. But he's also loving. In Isaiah chapter 6, what did Isaiah see? Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filling the temple and the seraphim were flying around the throne of God crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy and Isaiah was deeply concerned about his own sin. But when God cleansed him, what did God say? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. What's the point I'm making? This God who is perfectly holy was wanting to send Isaiah to others with his message. God wants to communicate. Why? Because he loves us. He desires a relationship with his people. Right after John 3.16, what do we read? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And yes, as that passage goes on to point out, there will be judgment and condemnation for the one who does not believe. In fact, the Bible says there, such a one stands condemned already, for they've not believed in God's only begotten Son. But again, the point is, the reason God sent his Son is so that such an outcome could be avoided. He sent his Son to save, to redeem. Why? 
God so loved the world that he gave. We need to understand what a loving God we have. And this loving God is inviting us into a love relationship with him. And understanding his nature, that he is a loving God and desires a relationship with him ought to mean that we desire to seek that. It's like we talked about Wednesday night as we started studying together the book of Hosea. The, the book of Hosea could really be entitled, When the Local Preacher Marries the Town Hooker. I mean, that literally, that's what the book of Hosea is about. Because God commands Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. The prostitute, Gomer. I mean, it's bad enough she's a prostitute. Her name's Gomer. I guess she grew up in Mayberry or something. But uh, God's prophet is to go and marry a prostitute. Now, why in the world would God command his prophet to do something like that? Because the marriage was to be an illustration of God's relationship with his people. His people were like Gomer who constantly step out on him and chase other gods, chase other lovers, and yet God still loves his people. He told Hosea to go and take Gomer back even after she had broken the marriage covenant. You know, marriage is used a lot in the Bible to describe the relationship between God and his people. And so as Hosea went after Gomer and bought her back, he literally had to buy her back after she had sold herself repeatedly into prostitution. And, and the analogy being made, God pursues his bride, his people, despite the fact that we've committed spiritual adultery against him. Now, if that doesn't say something to you about God's love and the depth of God's love, I don't know what will. I'm simply trying to get you to see what the Willises wanted to communicate in week one, that knowing God's nature should make us want to know him and be his. Jesus says here that we're to love God with all of our heart. We could say maybe this refers to our emotions. Emotions aren't bad. Somebody comes to church and says, you know, we need to be quiet and stoic. Well, that's okay if that's how you worship. Other people like to be more expressive. Uh, we're to love God with our emotions. We're to have a warm heart towards God. We're not to have a cold, dead orthodoxy. He also said we're to love God with all our soul. Now, as I put in your notes for your community group lesson this morning, that refers, of course, to the spiritual side of life. But there's yet another nuance to that word also. It's the word psyche, which refers to uh, it, it being the seat of our desires, our feelings, our affections. We're to love God with our desires, our feelings, our affections. The world has this so upside down. Marketing and advertising appeal to our desires. The world is fixated on certain kinds of desires and carrying out those desires. The world wants you to satisfy your fleshly desires any way you want to. 
But what the Lord is talking about here is that God is to be our chief desire. If God is our chief desire, then all other desires and affections can't help but be affected and changed. One area where we see these desires could be in prayer, for example. James and John both wrote about this, and there's an application here for, for us. James 4 says, one of the reasons we may not see uh, prayers answered is because our prayer request may be centered upon our worldly desires and lust. And God's not going to honor that kind of praying. John in 1 John 5 though tells us that when our desires, our affections are on God... And, and that comes out in our praying, that we're praying according to the will of God, we can be assured that we have God's answer for our request. And so you see, when we're loving God with all of our psyche, all of our soul, our will, our desires, our affections, this will drive all of our other affections and desires to be Christ-honoring. And again, it comes down to the relationship that we have with the Lord. If the relationship is in order, He will help us to put everything else about life in proper order. You know, too many people are trying to start from the vantage point of what can I do for God. And they come up with a checklist and then they try to accomplish that checklist in their own strength. But what the scripture is inviting us to do is, first of all, have the right relationship with Him. A loving relationship with Him. We put the attention there. We put the focus there. And when we have the right relationship, the right love relationship with Him, then He's going to direct us to do everything else according to His will. It's much like Jesus said in John chapter 15 where Jesus used the analogy that he's the vine, we're the branches and we're to abide in him and he in us because we're nothing without him and can do nothing without him. We're to concentrate on the love relationship, loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Concentrating on that and then out of that love relationship, he will lead us and guide us to do that which is according to his will. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Loving God with your soul with your affections, your desires. Then he says also, you'll notice in verse 30, love God with all your mind. This is the intellect. It involves the, the thoughts. Are your thoughts centered on Christ? Are you feeding your mind with thoughts about God? Now, obviously, you do that by being in the Scripture and asking the Holy Spirit to transform your thoughts as to how He would have you to think. We need to understand something here. We've obviously grown up in the world and we've been programmed. Before we were saved, we were programmed with a lot of the world's thinking. You know... Computer programmers used to have that saying, garbage in, garbage out. A computer's going to produce, it's going to spit out whatever the programmer puts in. 
And we've grown up in the world and with the thinking of the world, and that's what comes out. But as Christians, our thinking, our mind is to be transformed. The Holy Spirit wants to take the Word of God and renew our thinking. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 12 too. Our thinking is to be renewed. And when our thinking is renewed that way, we're thinking more in, in accordance with how God would have us to think. Our thinking glorifies Him. Can you say you're loving God with your mind this way? How are we going, how, how are we going to grow in our relationship with God? And, and how's it going in your life in that regard? Is that happening? In your thinking, in your, in your mind, what you're feeding your mind, are you growing this way? Somebody says, well, well, Pastor, that just sounds like you're talking about cramming your head with a lot of information. Well, you know, that's where it starts. You've got you to cram your mind with, with God's Word and Christian thinking and Christian literature. You've got to do that. But the goal in cramming your mind with, with, with God's Word is... So that your mind will be renewed, which will affect your conduct. We've got to put Christian knowledge, Christian thinking in our mind. Not just for the sake of knowledge alone, because knowledge alone puffs up, as Paul told the Corinthians. But we feed our mind with the right stuff that our thinking is renewed and our conduct will be changed. That's what we're to be doing. And you know what? In this regard, we've got so many distractions in the world today, don't we? When I read some of the things early Christians wrote, it astounds me what deep, rich thinkers that they were. But they see they didn't have computers and TV and all this stuff that, that, that distracts us. They were incredibly disciplined with their minds. And, and folks, this, this is a challenge for us today. I realize this in the type of world that, that we live in because we've got so much hitting us. But we've got to discipline ourselves to feast on God's Word, to read Christian classics, to, to put things into our minds that are going to shape our minds the way God wants our minds to be shaped. And again, are you doing this? What are you feeding your mind day in and day out? Are you in Scripture? Are you memorizing? I'm glad we're, we have a Scripture memory verse uh, for each week that's going to be a key verse. That ought to be a way of life for us, memorizing Scripture, putting that into our minds. Biblical thinking. Are we feeding our minds this way? Or are we just simply putting in all the garbage in the world? Folks, as believers, we've got to be careful what we feed our minds. We've got to be disciplined in that. It matters because Jesus said you and I are to love God with all of our minds. In the back of the book, the appendix in the back of the book, the writers recommend, if you want to dive into this a little more deeply, 
They recommend a great book, J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. It's a classic. Great book. A couple of years ago, I took four men in our church. We were meeting together on Tuesday nights and reading and studying through that book. Knowing God. Get classics like that and feed your mind with stuff like that. Love God with all of your mind. Jesus also said here, love God with all your strength. Here we have the body. Jesus is talking about things that in, involve your, your physical body. Remember, Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It matters what you and I do with our bodies. Do we take care of the body? Now, we don't want to have the fanaticism that a lot of people in society today have. But on the other end of the spectrum, we do want to take care of our body. Because if we don't, it's going to hurt us all the way around. If you hurt your body to where you, physically you're not able to do stuff, it, that's going to impact the ministry that you're going to be able to be involved in. You're not going to be able to be involved in ministry, maybe. Because you become so healthy and, and, and you can't do anything. So we need to take care of our bodies. We need to eat right, sleep right, exercise right at the right level. We need to take care of our bodies so that we don't limit our Christian service. So what is Jesus saying here in verse 30? He's saying in, in all facets of your life and my life, in all facets of our life, we're to be focused on loving God. And, and these are, breaking down these areas, you can ask yourself, am I doing that in each of these areas? And you know who the model is here? The model is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen to what Luke tells us at, at uh, the end of uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It, it's talking about the boy, the boy Jesus as he grew up. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was growing in these areas. He's the model here. He's the model. He grew spiritually. He grew physically. He grew emotionally. He grew socially. That's how we're to love God. A second thing I want you to see with me this morning. Our devotion is to have the proper outcome. It's to have the proper outcome. Now you'll notice in your book this week. As the week progressed. There were certain outcomes that occurred. At least that's how I want to handle these matters. He talked about John 13, for instance, and service. He talked about love from 1 Corinthians 13. And he talked about discipleship from Luke 9. Now let's look at all of these in kind of a, fly, a quick flyover fashion. Let's think about John 13, the foot washing Remember that scenario? Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And uh, 
he takes a basin of water and a towel and he begins washing his disciples' feet. And remember what he said in conclusion to that. I've shown you an example of service. If I, your master, have washed your feet, he says you are to serve one another. And here's my point. If Mark 12, 30 is taking place in your life and my life, if we're loving God with all of our being, we will indeed be servants. You can't be doing Mark 12, 30 without your love for God resulting in serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. And again, Jesus is the model servant. And so if I'm loving him like I should and being conformed to the image of Christ more and more in my life, I will be a servant. We are saved by grace, but we are also saved to serve. We are not saved by service. We are saved by grace, but we are saved to serve. And so I'm going to go so far as to say that if you consistently as a way of life do not serve, then you need to concentrate more on Mark 12, 30. Something's wrong in your life the way you're loving God if you don't serve. Because if you're loving God the way you should, He's going to be putting it in your heart to serve. You're going to be a servant. Are you serving the Lord? Are you expressing your love to God in such a way that you're serving His body? He cares about His body, His church. He gave His life for the church. He cares deeply about His church. So if you're loving Him the way you should with your whole being, you're also going to be loving and serving His body. Then in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about love. You know, he, he, he starts describing, uh, again, this was, this was one of the verses mentioned this week. He starts talking about love there. And, and he says, uh, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Paul's saying that's what love looks like in action. And so again, if you're not growing in your love, becoming more like what the Bible says it should be, then again, you need to go back and give more attention to Mark 12, 30. Developing the love relationship with Him. We can't claim that we are truly encountering Jesus in salvation and Christian growth if the relationship with Him is not changing us in any way. In fact, John is going to be so bold in 1 John to say, if you don't love the way God would have you to love, if you don't love the brethren, it's because you're still walking in darkness and don't even know the Lord. John says it's as simple as that. Are you loving? Is your love for God resulting in loving others the way he would have you to love them? 
the way he loves them. Is that happening in your life? That should be a result of the love relationship with him. And then what did Jesus go on to say himself here in Mark chapter uh, 12 verse 31? Jesus talked about this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now Jesus is not promoting self-love because we tend to love ourselves anyway. We, We take care of ourselves. We protect our lives. Jesus is simply saying love others the way you already love yourself. You're already pretty good at loving yourself. And so you're to love others this way. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're loving him the way you should, you'd be loving your neighbor as yourself. Is that happening in your life? Again, is the vertical relationship, Mark 12, 30, is that vertical relationship changing you on the horizontal relationship level? In every area of your life, it should be. And then the writers this week also wanted us to look at Luke chapter 9. Look at Luke chapter 9 with me for a minute. Luke chapter 9, and beginning there in verse 23, I want to pick up reading. Jesus said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly... There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Are you being a disciple and counting the cost and following him, confessing him and losing your life for his sake, so to speak, putting him first? Discipleship, following his lordship. You see, folks, there is no such thing in the New Testament as as being called to simply ask Jesus to be your Savior without also surrendering to his Lordship. Let's be clear on that. We, We cannot say, Lord Jesus, save me, forgive me, but from that point on, leave me alone. I have no intention of following you. I'm going to still be on the throne of my own life. I just want you for fire insurance. There is no such category. Can we be clear on that? Being saved means we are to follow him. He is Lord. He's Lord. The Willis's quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Come and die. So you see what I'm saying? Under point number one, it addressed the vertical relationship, how we love God. Growing in that. Under point number two, if we're doing that one, then it's going to be the right outcome. We're going to be serving like we should. We're going to be loving like we should. 
And we're going to be counting the cost of being a disciple and following him as Lord. Those will be indications, measuring marks, if you will, of whether or not we're really developing the love relationship. Is that relationship in order? Because that love relationship is going to drive everything else. On page 26 of your books, at the top, there's a pink-shaded box. I would ask you to read the words in that pink-shaded box. Read them, reread them, reread them again. Listen to what they say. Christian discipleship is a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ that results in a lifelong journey of obedience. As you follow Christ... He transforms you to be like Him. He changes your values to kingdom values. And He involves you in His mission in your home, church, and world. As His disciple, you will progressively know Him more deeply, obey Him more quickly, reflect Him more accurately, and invite others into His kingdom more regularly. Now let me give you some takeaways today, some lessons. Lesson number one, love for God is to involve your whole self. There are not to be areas of your life that you keep to yourself. Love for God is to involve your whole self. A second takeaway As we concentrate on our relationship with the Lord, He will transform us and change us according to His will. It is a lifelong process. And lastly, salvation involves discipleship. We are saved and called to follow. Yes, there are different gifts, different abilities that we all have. The Lord doesn't place on us more than he knows that we can handle. But the call is the same nonetheless. And that call is to love him and follow him with our whole being. Let me ask you to pray with me. Bow with me in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me remind you today, Mark 12, 30 reminds us of our focus. The love relationship with the Lord that is to be our focus. It's to be the foundation and focus of your life, the driving force. Maybe you need to respond to this passage by saying, God, my My love for you is not what it ought to be. It's been more ritual than relationship. Help me to carry out this commandment and learn more what it means to be in a love relationship with you. And you may need to change some habits with your mind or your body or your spiritual devotional time. Others may see that there are some out there that you need to reach out to. 
You need to reach out beyond yourself and serve others and love others. Maybe there's even somebody that comes to mind that you need to reach out to and serve with the love of Christ. And you know, maybe there's somebody today who would say, Pastor, I've I've not even started that love relationship with the Lord. I've been religious all my life. I've tried to be a good person. But I've never come to Christ. And I need to come to Him today. And I need to surrender to Him. Your staff will be down front. We'll be happy to pray with you about that. Or about any other issue. Maybe you're looking for a church family where you can love others and serve others. Right here through the local church. The church that Jesus gave himself for. We'd love to have you be a part of our fellowship. And grow with us. Father, I pray that Mark 12.30 would become entrenched in our hearts and minds and would be a way of life. That we would be growing in that love relationship with you where everything is surrendered to you. Every facet of our being is grounded in, in you and getting to know you and loving you more. And Lord, that's where our focus needs to be. Not on simply trying to come up with things on our own that we can do for you. But developing the love relationship and out of that, obeying your voice to do whatever you call us to do. We thank you for this study that we are beginning over the next uh, 12 weeks in community groups and in worship and in individual study time. Lord, use this time to grow us, to change us. That we would be the body of people in a lost and dark world that you would have us to be. So that we can be the salt and light you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.